0: Welcome back to a quick Society Case Files podcast. My name is Robert and I'll be your host. Today I just want to talk about the creation of audio dramas. That's really what I've been working on a lot lately. Specifically, I've been uh, putting together the Malevolence episodes and I have finished the first episode, so I was able to get back into a reasonable workflow and explain basically how to do it at this point. I was able to take that information and experience and apply it to The Lost Disciple, which is a standalone society case file story that I wrote specifically for a drama. So that one is actually getting really close to being done, primarily because I was able to apply all of this experience and knowledge and put it together. So this won't be a super long podcast, but uh, it will be a good overview on how to start doing... And audio drama specifically because I couldn't find any good information on what to do and what steps to take in order to compile these. I mean, they, they seem like they're going to be a lot of work. And when you really sit down and start doing it, it can be overwhelming fast because you've got tons of dialogue that you have to deal with. Oftentimes you're getting performances from people that aren't all in the same room so you've got to make sure that they fit and sound like two people talking, despite the fact that they may never have even met each other or even heard of each other. And then you've got the sound effects and you've got the music and everything else. So I sort of built a list to understand what the best route to take to c- create one of these and make it sound good. Um, it does... Help that I have some pretty expensive software that I use for music production, and that goes well above and beyond what you might see. Uh, Somebody who's just starting out have access to, unless they're willing to put out the money right away, and there might not be a good return of investment on that. So it it kind of you you have to weigh what's really important to you and how important it is for certain things to happen. Like for example. Two people are using completely different microphones, totally different setups. They're in different room types. One person might be in their kitchen, another person in a sound booth. And you've got to find a way to make those two things sound as close to the same as you can as far as quality is concerned. And that's going to take some EQing. It's going to take some cleanup. You're going to have to play around with different types of software in order to make that happen. But that's more advanced. So we're going to talk more about the just fundamentals of creating one of these. So the first thing to do when creating one of these dramas is to compile all of them together and then start building the dialogue. Uh, No sound effects, no music, none of that stuff at all. Just put all of the dialogue into a multi-track... Uh, DAW of some kind, whether you want to use Audition or Cubase, Logic. I'm sure Audacity would work, but I haven't used it, so I can't speak to that. But any of these applications will actually do what you need to do. In fact, the simpler, the better in most cases, because you're not going to be using any effects on any of these right off the bat. You're not going to uh, alter them in any way. You're just laying them out. So think of this. If you're into magazines, you're basically putting the pictures and the articles together in a compelling way so that uh, the listener is going to hear it the way you want it to be heard. You're going to have a conversation between two people. You're going to put those pieces together. You're going to add an appropriate amount of spacing between the dialogue parts. So if someone says, hey, what are you doing later on tonight? You don't want them, their response to start instantaneously upon their finishing of that. You want it to actually sound like they were thinking for a few seconds at the very least before replying to the message. And that sort of helps guide you away from the people sounding like they're just waiting to read their lines. Uh, In many cases, that's probably honestly what they're doing. But you can, as the layout artist and probably the creator of the project you can offset that considerably and make it have a unique and natural tone. So after you've finished laying out the dialogue, you're going to want to export each track individually into one file so that its spacing is perfect, and you'll see it when you open up the WAV file after you've exported it so that you can see that it has all the appropriate spaces and it will line up with all of your other audio. And you'll need to do that based on whatever audio workstation you're using. They're all a little different. Um, Some of the free ones have even more options that are probably a little unnecessary. But whatever the case, I use Audition for this phase. So everything that I've talked about so far, I've done in Adobe Audition. Once I've got all of the dialogue done, and in the case of what I'm working on right now, the Lost Disciple, that is uh, 15 tracks of just dialogue, just people chatting. To be fair, I did put a couple of characters on two tracks. One person is speaking in a lower tone of voice through a great deal of the of the story. And then when they reminisce or go into the past and they're not crazy, uh, they speak normally. So I put them on a separate track so that I can do some effects and that sort of thing later on to make it sound like they're in a room or, or something like that. So now that you've got all of them compiled and ready to go, you're going to want to put them into whatever DAW you're going to use to apply the sound effects and the music. Now, I personally use Logic Pro because that's where I'm going to do all of my soundtrack stuff. I'm going to add all of my music with that, and I just choose to do the sound effects in the same place. It's just convenient, and I know how to make folders in it so that I can compile everything and have it all look like one track. In the case of all the dialogue, I'm going to put it all in at the same time, and then I'm going to put it all into a folder, and I'm going to collapse that folder so I don't have to see 15 tracks anymore. Name it, lock it. I can't mess with it. It won't get hurt. I then start over at the very beginning, and I start doing the music, and I apply all of the music and the sound effects, and at this point, you'll probably find that you do have to do some moving of the dialogue, but it should be pretty easy because you've got all of it, pretty much ready to go you just trim it all move the piece over do whatever you got to do now the reason that I'm saying to add the music before we've done any effects on the voices at all is well I'm going to get to that in just a moment because the next step after music for me was sound effects so I've got the music I start making up sound effects I listen through the whole thing and I go oh this part needs some footsteps and I just make notes yeah yeah at 658 I want someone walking that kind of thing. There are a ton of great sites for you to get the uh royalty free sound effects, some of the really simple stuff like walking or 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 like uh ambient noises of the city and that kind of thing. but it's also important to be able to make your own sound effects and for that, I personally use a task cam. Hand recorder. I will include a link for that in the description of this podcast, but this thing has been absolutely invaluable. I've used it for all kinds of things like doors closing, footsteps on a hardwood floor, jumping. I needed somebody to land on some pavement, and I was able to make that sound effect myself. I've recorded cats, all kinds of crazy stuff. And this thing is so sensitive that it just does an absolutely phenomenal job. So I highly recommend picking one of those up. It's only $100, and I'm sure there are actually cheaper versions as well. They're just really handy for this kind of work. Now, I should also point out that you could do the sound effects before the music, of course. At this point, it doesn't matter which one happens first. As long as you finish both before you go in and start doing effects. And now I'll get into why. So the reason I chose to wait to do my effects is because once I've got everything in there, I know how to affect it. In some cases, maybe you'll find that you were thinking, oh my goodness, this whole line of dialogue from this person is going to need to have a ton of EQing. But when you get it in with the music and the sound effects and everything else, you find out you don't have to tweak it as much as you thought. Now, I have learned this through the trial and error because initially I spent two days EQing a particular line of dialogue. And then when I put it in with the music and everything, I found out that most of my work was wasted because I needed to do it in conjunction with everything else that would be played with it. And that was very important. So once you've done those three things, so let's just recap. You laid out the dialogue. You did the music or the sound effects first, and then you did the last one. Now you've got them all together. You can go through and listen, and you can make notes on what sounds off. You know, maybe this is the point where you're like, wow, my performer A was clearly doing this in their bathroom, and I need to figure out how to take out some of that reverb uh, in their voice. Um, At a different podcast, I'll go into more depth about the software I use. I'll talk about the Isotope and all of the great stuff you can get from subscription services to help you make one of these work really well. But this is just an overview. So that's the basic concept of building one of these from the floor up. And I know that I made it sound simple and you you might even be going, well, of course that's how you would do it. It makes perfect sense. But for me, when I went at it, I had all of these pieces, you know, I had some music already done for an introduction uh, I had some sound effects ready to go, and I just didn't know where to start. I had all of these pieces, and they were basically like 5 million Legos on the floor, and I had to figure out how to compile them. Uh, obviously, the big part about this is the next step, the software or the building. And let's take a step back as well and talk about performance in general. When I sought performers for my initial radio drama, and that was Glamour and Shadows, I was able to host people at my house, have them come in, use the studio, use our sound booth and our really nice microphone and all of our gear, and I was able to direct them on the spot, talk them through different parts. If they had a question, I could answer it immediately. I could bounce it off of them. We could run the dialogue like we were in a play. But with the pandemic, that has become less desirable. I don't necessarily want to have people in a very small part of my house for their safety and mine, And there are a lot of ways to get performances right now that don't necessarily involve having them in your home. This is where what I was talking about earlier, your performers might be in very different environments as they create. The ultimate truth is that, yeah, it would be awesome if everybody had the most professional and amazing equipment available, but that's just not the case. Sometimes, the most important thing is the performance. Now you might completely disagree and that's your prerogative and you can pay extra to get exactly what you want. I mean, that's, that's the whole thing about creation. It's what you find to be aesthetically pleasing. For me, my number one goal was finding passionate individuals who cared about the material enough to embrace it and sort of make it their own. So I went online and I found freelancers. Now, It wasn't necessarily easy for all of the characters. Some of the characters were really tough to find a good fit, and I had to go through quite a few people and a lot of auditions, and I I had them do pieces and and all kinds of stuff. But I eventually found everybody, and I really liked everything they did, so much so that I actually brought them back for another drama uh, to do. Now, my wife and I do several voices in these as well. Because ultimately, there are characters that don't have enough dialogue to be worth spending money on. It's And it's not even necessarily being cheap. It's being reasonable. For example, I have a character who has 15 lines. And it came out to less than 70 words. And I couldn't really find anybody who wanted to do that for less than $60. So I just made up a new voice. And <laughs> did it myself. And I mean... In the creation process, being the director of one of these, you don't have to be better than your performers, but you need to be at least willing to try to the level of the middling performers in a drama. So while you may not be the best, you, you should be willing to ham it up and do whatever it takes to ensure that your production is brought in under budget. In my case, I had a budget of around $1,000 to get everybody for the Malevolence project. And I did go over a tiny bit because some of the characters have a lot to say. And that ended up costing a fair amount of money. And you do want to pay your performers. You want to give them something that's worthwhile. It's not about just exposure. I'm sure that as artists or people who are listening to this who are artists... You are sick to death of hearing, but it's great exposure. I'll put your name on it. That's That should be a given. That's just part one. Everybody's got bills to pay and need to buy stuff to make their jobs easier or whatever the case may be. Who cares what they use it for? But they deserve to be compensated. Now, that said, I did have some roles that were too small to to be worth finding extra people to do those roles, so... I took them on myself or my wife took them on and we just found new or interesting voices. And sometimes we hammed it up to be really silly because I mean, these are inspired by the 1930s serials and uh, dark adventure radio theater. So taking it up a notch and chewing some scenery doesn't matter. It doesn't hurt things, but all that in mind, once I found those performers, the first step was finding out how am I going to convey to them what I need them to do without having them go back and forth 30 times in order to get the character correct. And in most cases, I could just provide them with a one sheet of what the character was like. Give them the history, the background of the character, who they were, what their motivations were, what they like to do, that sort of thing. And then the next step was giving them basically... A rundown, each scene they were in. This is what they're feeling, this is how they react to the scene, this is who they care about, and why they're doing the things they're doing. In most cases, that was enough for some folks, but a couple of the characters were a little bit more complex than that, so we did have to find alternate means of communicating. It couldn't just be via chat, couldn't just be on you know, whatever messaging service the freelance site had available. So we did have to resort to a phone call or a FaceTime or a Zoom or whatever you want to call it. And I found that no matter what, somehow the people who were really passionate about doing the the parts were really excited and they were willing to do whatever it took. In fact, I just let them lead. I would say, what would work best for you? How can I explain this to you in a way that will enable you to do your best performance. And then I just let them lead. I'd say, how do you take direction? What is your favorite way to hear about a character? And then I just cater to them. And when you're working with creatives, the best way is to trust their instincts. They might be too new to do that in some cases. But I've found that most people are mature enough To let you know that and say, well, you know what, I'm going to need you to tell me exactly what to do and when to do it because I've never done this before. And those are great people have because they're hungry and they want to do it and they want to make a good impression because this is what they really want to be doing. And as long as you're cool and understand that you're working with a creative professional, then you will not uh, ostracize them and, and, And effectively ruin their (laughs) desire to do this type of work. Because ultimately, if you are one of the first 10 jobs that someone is going to be doing, and you are trying to create something like what we're talking about here, an an audio drama, then you really are given a duty of care to ensure that they have a good experience with it. And the best way to do that is to communicate up front. Tell them what your expectations are listen to their expectations and decide, is this something that we can both work with? And in some cases they just want the work. So they're going to be willing to take any kind of crap you throw their way, but you, you you have to know you have to be able to ascertain that this probably won't work or it's going to work great. And it's going to be fantastic. And as long as you do those two things, then you should be pretty much okay with your performers but once you get back your first example maybe they send you the what they consider to be a final draft there's a couple of ways to go about it now i worked with my performers and said listen i might not be able to listen to all of this right away in some cases we're talking hours of performance for malevolence so i would just say listen i've listened to some of it and it sounds fantastic so far i really like these parts i'm not going to be able to go through this right away can we make an arrangement where once I do listen to it, if I find any mistakes, I'll get them corrected. And then I would go through and listen to the parts that were most important to me, whether they were really passionate scenes or arguments or action scenes, that kind of thing. And I'd really listen and see if they got the feeling and the intention and providing they did that, then we'd be good to go. And for the most part, I could trust them. And Bar none, every person that I worked with was completely willing to do that. And they were really excited about the project. And just because we were really cool to one another, they were able to walk away feeling good about what they'd done. They got their money. I've got a great contact. And we've effectively built a relationship that could transcend the one project and move to another. And it's very much like selling something. You know, you don't want to sell sell it in such a way that the person feels like they've been screwed. You want to sell it in a way that they feel involved and that they walked away with something just as valuable as you did. You know, it's like a job interview. Both people are interviewing each other, even if the interviewee doesn't necessarily realize that. Uh, As the person seeking their talent, you need to be aware of that. And you need to help them understand that by giving them the information that they should be asking for if they don't. So that's how I went about it trusting the talent, giving them the benefit of the doubt, making sure that they got what they needed, making sure I got what I needed and ultimately building a pool of folks that I'm able to call upon to do characters here and there throughout my radio drama experience. So anyway, that is just a primer. I'm going to go for the next few podcasts and really deep dive this the next time. I think I'm going to talk about selecting performers and how to work with them to ensure that they get what they need and that you're going to get a quality product back from them. And how to listen to their samples and what to listen for that are red flags and what to listen for that are gems. Things that maybe you're like, oh my gosh, I've got to jump on this person now before they realize that uh, they aren't charging $5 million the way they should. <laughs> I'm, I'm exaggerating, but in this case, you know, you're know, you going to jump in with someone who's brand new and help them to realize their dream now let me tell you i actually had somebody who bid to me that they would have done the job for thirty dollars but upon listening to their sample and the quality of the work and just their dedication to it i actually ended up paying them two hundred dollars because that was the fair price and they were just low-balling because they just wanted the job. Now, I mean, in some cases, your budget is going to have to allow you to accept a lowball offer, but if you have the budget and somebody is doing that, it's just cool to be like, "No, you actually deserve more, and this is within, this is within the budget, so I'm going to pay you what you what you're owed and what you deserve Now, I made it quite clear that not everybody would be like that. I'm sure they knew that, but I just wanted to let you know set some expectations so anyway next podcast casting and directing so thank you very much for listening to the podcast i really appreciate you stopping by if you liked what you heard and you want to hear more please visit the website at www.societycasefiles.com or if you want to support the project you can visit us at www.ko-fi.com slash societycasefiles Thanks again. See you next time.